So this year we were taking a, we've been doing this series called Who is Jesus since beginning of December. Um, so just for your information, t- today is not part of that series. We're taking a one week break. Um, I'm going to talk about something else today. I'm going to, still going to be talking about Jesus and we'll still, we'll still find out some things about who he is. Um, but technically it's not part of the series. So we're taking a break from that. However, after church today, um, we are continuing with our class on discovering the historical Jesus, which is going to be happening through in the, the coffee lounge through there. Um, so if you're planning to be at that, you should have some lunch with you. Um, if you weren't planning to be that, you'd like to come, um, we can help you get some lunch from Aldi uh, across the road there. And um, we'd really encourage you to be, come to the class and learn. Last week, we learned a lot. We learned a lot of stuff last week at the class. Um, and really, we, we want to spend this season um, in church, like d- discovering more about the one who we love, the one who we say we love, the one who we serve, the one who we say we serve. Um, because by knowing him better, knowing more about him will cause us to love him more. And then the more we love him, the more effective we are in our service from him, for him. Because it becomes an overflow, a natural um, thing for us. So, um, so today, um, I want to um, talk about church growth. And, and also, um, as I'm talking about this, we're going to look at the, the kind of current state of affairs and our own church in terms of growth and where um, that may take us um, in the not too distant future. Okay, so just to qualify, there's not going to be any grand announcement this morning, so that wasn't a build-up towards that. Um, but, um, you know, we, we need to always be preparing for growth um, because the church is designed to grow, right? Do you know that? Yeah. The church is designed to grow. It's not designed to shrink. It's not designed to be smaller in number, and it's also not designed to be the same size all the time, it is designed for growth. Um, and so, so church growth is, is not only the goal of the church, it's not only the goal of our church, church growth should be a personal growth for everyone who belongs to the church of Jesus Christ. Yeah? Okay? So it's not whatever we deem the church to be, so you might think that's the pastors or that's the leaders or when you talk about, when you talk about the church or the church does this, the church does that, you are talking about yourself, okay? So the church should be doing this. You need to turn that back in yourself and say, I should be doing this. Does that make sense? We, we can't define the church as something that's kind of um, outside of us because we are the church and we're part of the church and the church is about growth. So if the church is about growth, then we individually should be about growth and growth should be part of our plan and purpose. Yeah? Amen. Amen. Good. Okay. And if we are really serious about growth, there are some things that we can do to cause growth to take place. So um, what I want to do just quickly for the next 10 minutes or so is just look at uh, two or three things that will hopefully inspire us to, to believe in the growth of the church. So the first thing, um, the first thing that we need that we need to grasp as a kind of fundamental of church growth is that church growth is biblical. 
So when we look around our nation, we, we hear a lot that the church is in decline, and that there is a lot of evidence for that, that people who attend church on Sundays has declined over the years. It used to be part of our society. It was a cultural thing that people attended church. But the church should always be preparing and planning for growth because that is what the Bible teaches. The Bible always describes the church as something that is growing. We should not be managing decline. We should not be expecting decline. We should be managing growth and expecting growth. Yeah? Are you with me with this? Right? We need to, I need to know you're coming with me on this journey or it won't make sense when we land. Okay? Now, we, the church growth is biblical because Jesus said, Matthew 16, upon this rock, I will build my church. Okay? So it's a, I will build. So that's a present tense statement. So if Jesus said that then 2,000 years ago, he's still saying it today. He's saying, I will build my church. And what Jesus built his church on was one thing, but I kind of want to look at it in, in, in two ways very quickly. So if we go to Matthew 16, um, and this kind of takes us back to who, who is Jesus series. We, we, we have um, Jesus coming to this region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asks his disciples a question, which is a question that we're asking in our teaching series currently. He asks his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say that you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But then he asked, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. The church of Jesus Christ is built on Jesus Christ. When Peter declared that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and Jesus said, I will, on this rock I will build my church, he's talking about the truth of who he is, that the church is built on the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Messiah, yeah? Isn't that what we've been learning over these past few weeks? And, and in 1 Corinthians 3, we read that there's no other foundation that the church can or should be built on. And, and Corinthians, and Paul's writing to the Corinthian church because they have division within the church. And basically, uh, without going into all the detail, what they've done is they've, they've stopped um, putting Jesus as the main thing. They've looked to other things, other practices, um, um, other habits that they've done, ways they do things have become more important than Jesus himself. So they're maybe doing things that look like church, but actually their focus has gone away from Jesus and they're building their church on their methodology or their process or their programs or on other beliefs that have come into the church. And one of the things that they were... Um, the division was coming over, what the vision the church was coming from was that some of the church were saying that they were followers of Paul's teaching and then others in the church were saying, well, we're following the teachings of Apollos, who was another teacher um, in the church at the same time. Now, that is not, isn't that common? Haven't we experienced that through our church life that some people go off on a, on a journey with one particular teacher or type of teaching and then that becomes the thing 
And they're more focused on that than the thing that actually holds the whole church together, which is the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, yeah? So any church that declares to um, be uh, followers of Jesus, any church that declares to worship the only true and living God, we should all be able to come together, to, to be together on one basic fact, is that we believe that we stand on the rock that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and we build our church from there upwards. So we read in 1 Corinthians, Paul says this. He says, one says Apollos, one says Paul. So who is Apollos and what is Paul? These are servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, this is Paul speaking, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose and each will receive wages according to their own labor. For we are God's co-workers working together. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building on it. Let each builder choose with care how to build on it. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has been laid. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. Okay? Are you with me so far? Okay? So the church is built on Jesus. And from that passage as well, Paul talks about the fact that it's God who does the building. So therefore the church is not just built on Jesus, the church is built by Jesus. Every model, every method, every process, every program, every principle of church growth must pass through the prism that Jesus Christ is the foundation of our church, that our church has grown from the foundation of Jesus, right? So anything we do must um, either point towards Jesus or point other people towards Jesus. Yeah? Yeah? Right? Everything we do must point towards Jesus or point other people towards Jesus. Right? There is no getting away from that. And if, if anything we do isn't doing one of those two things, then we have to question, should we be doing it? Should we be doing it at all? And the way that we measure growth is by the things that reveal Jesus to the world, to ourselves, to each other. Yeah? Okay? So if we're doing things and they're not revealing Jesus, we have to question if that's what we should be doing. But when we do things that do reveal Jesus and glorify Jesus and point towards him, we will see authentic growth. We will see real growth. Jesus said, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So the church is built on Jesus, it's built by Jesus, and it's also built on our faith. Simon, who um, Jesus had this uh, interaction with, who answered the question, and Jesus said he'd build, he talked about the rock he'd build his church on, Simon grew into Peter, just as Jesus said he would, and that was when his faith matured. He moved, Simon means like wavering reed, and Peter means rock. So we see a progression in Simon's life of being someone who was 
wavering and maybe whose head was easily turned to someone who became an absolute, like a diehard for Jesus, right? He put his life on the line. He said what had to be said. He did what had to be did, had to be done. And as individuals, as we grow as individuals into the fullness of Jesus, that is when the church will begin to grow, right? So we are on a journey of maturity, right? And I try to think that as, as a journey towards Jesus or, or a journey to becoming more like Jesus. That's how we measure our maturity. If we're doing, the more we do things as Jesus did and as Jesus commanded, then that is a measure of our maturity. And the more that we grow in our own personal walk with Jesus and as we grow into the fullness of Jesus, the church will grow from that. And the normal healthy condition of the New Testament church, as we saw in the beginning in, in the book of Acts, was growth. The, the church were, were living probably in those times in a way and in a way actively for Jesus that's maybe never been seen since. And the thing that happened there was that the, the Lord added to their fellowship daily those who were being saved. Why was that? It's because they were growing in maturity day by day by day. And as a consequence, the church grew alongside the growth in the individual people. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 14. He said, um, brothers and sisters, let's summarize it like this. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given, one will speak in tongues, and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. Everything that is done must strengthen all of you. So that word strengthen, in a lot of translations of the Bible, the word is edify or edifying. Everything must be done to strengthen or edify. And the, the, Greek, the, the, the root of the Greek word for strengthen or edifying in this case is a, an unpronounceable word that goes something like oekodome, oekodome. But the word actually means the act of building. Paul's saying everything that's done must be in the act of building all of you. Okay, you see how, so the individual growth brings growth to the church. So in short, everything done in the church should be done for the purpose, purpose of strengthening or edifying or growing the church. You see, a growing individual within a growing church benefits everyone. A growing individual within a growing church benefits everyone because a growing person contributes to church growth and a growing church contributes to personal growth. Okay, let me just say that again. A growing person contributes to church growth and a growing church contributes to personal growth. The two can't work independently. The two work side by side, they work simultaneously. As we grow as individual followers of Jesus, it brings growth to the church. And then as the church grows collectively, it becomes a place where people can grow individually. Yeah, do you get that? Does that make sense? You get my logic? 
So what that means then is that the church growth doesn't just happen. We don't just find a hall, put chairs out, and then the church starts to grow. There's work to be done. You see, the only way that we'll experience church growth here in Falkirk Vineyard is if we desire for the church to grow. It comes from a desire. Like I said, the church isn't designed to decline. It isn't designed to stay the same. The church is designed to grow. Therefore, we should have a desire for the church to grow. And once we have that desire, we work towards that goal collectively. So the question, I guess, is, do you want the church to grow? Do you want our church to grow? It's not a rhetorical question. It's a real question. So do you want the church to grow? Yes. Good. So when you're praying, and maybe you're praying for the church, I hope you do, I don't know if you do, but I hope that you pray for the church. So when you're praying for the church or you're praying for your leaders or pastors, if you're praying for our children and our young people, are you praying looking for growth? Is growth part of the language that you're using, part of the request that you're asking for God for our church? I hope it is. The good news for us here at Falkirk Vineyard is that our church is growing in numbers. Yeah? So guys, thank God. Let's just thank, I will clap that, right? And you'll see why in a minute. You'll see why in a minute. We should be thanking God every day that our church is growing. And you might say to me, Andrew, you know, I've heard all this stuff before and you're, you're, you're talking about bums in seats and you're going to say it's not about the numbers. But actually, I'm afraid it is about numbers. It is about the numbers. And I remember we've had battles as a leadership, not battles within ourselves, but just tension with working out, are we going for numbers? What's authentic growth? Um, I've had to kind of check myself because like I came from a previous career where growth and sales and productivity was what was used to. So you bring that with you into the next thing you're doing. And of course, I want everything to be growing and productive and that. And I had to do a bit of a check in myself. But actually, the truth is, a healthy growing church is about numbers. Matthew 28, Jesus said this, go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Acts 2 tells that the Lord added to their number on a daily basis. It is about numbers. It is about numbers. And the problem arises, it's when the numbers become the thing. Like we're looking, so maybe as a leader of a church, I would, be, I would start to become prideful or focused on having as many people coming to listen to me as possible. You see, it's not about the numbers, it's about the attitude and the posture you have towards numbers and growth. So we are a church who are, are growing. So I've got a couple of slides that I just want us to look at here. So we can all see that. So this goes way back to 2014, which is when we first, um, it was in summer of 2014, we started um, doing Sundays on a weekly basis. From there, And as you can see, we've seen growth, pretty dramatic growth actually, 
um, for the first uh, three or four years. Um, and then we kind of reach this kind of 111 limit. And as we come to um, 2019, um, this, is the, this is the year before COVID, okay? And in the next column here, this one, is 2022. So we don't have stats for 2020 or 2021 because we weren't here. Um, but one of the things that was really difficult for Lorraine and I and for, the, for our, our leadership team was that we look from an average of 111 or 100 in 2019 and then we come back in person in 2022 and we've got an average of 62. So that's everyone, that's adults and kids all together. The Church of Jesus Christ is a growth project. So when you're leading a church and you see a statistic like that, you know that something's wrong. And we know that you know, people, um, people change through COVID, habits change, a lot of people didn't return to church or they took the option to go to different churches, whatever it was. But the reality for us was that we had a, a massive slump. We were almost back to where we were at the beginning. But as you see, 2023, last year, we have come up. And then so far this year, we're still on growth. So we're, we're currently on a 10% growth to last year. So if we continue that growth this year, we should be back to our pre-COVID numbers by then, by the end of the year, we hope, okay? So that's how, how we look. And the next slide we want to look at kids. So, as you see, our, um, we have always had a healthy percentage of children in our church, which is fantastic. Um, but you can see that from this one, when we, we come back from the pandemic, um, kids has dropped off a cliff, which would suggest that families stopped coming to church. And that was one of the reasons that we went foot to the floor on building our kids' ministry like that we did at the beginning. So you remember that? We set out that if uh, we asked everybody to join a team and get involved in church again, and they said, by the way, there's only one team, <laughs> and it's kids, so thanks for putting your hand up to join the teams. But we fell off a cliff edge. But look at this. Look at that growth. And that shows us that we are getting, like, families are coming to our church. And the brilliant thing about our kids' church is, is that we are already back the pre-COVID numbers, yeah? So thank you, families, thank you, children, for, like, showing us the way for being ahead of us. And then just one last slide briefly. I just want to look at this one for teenagers, which is interesting. So um, I just put this up just for reference, and obviously Rona's spoke to this morning, but we've, we've, we've never had a massive amount of teenagers in our church when you look at that, or certainly not on a Sunday. We have had uh, youth outside of a Sunday has been massive, 20 to 30, over 38 times. So we had teenagers come to youth events that weren't in church on a Sunday of big numbers, but we've always, this kind of five-ish has been our kind of average every week. And the I just want to put that slide up there, guys, to say, like, can, can we pray for teenagers? That worries me looking at that, because like, where, where's the next generation coming from? We know that we've, we've got, we're gonna have a massive youth in a few years' time, because we've got all these kids through next door. 
but we don't have them now. So we, but, but we don't want to, we don't want to skip a generation. So would you pray that God will bring teenagers into our church, families with teenagers, um, to see that, that, that grow? Um, because that, that one's not as healthy as we'd like it to be. Okay, so we see this growth on overall numbers and on kids. So this means, Eden, okay, so we're gonna, right, we're gonna need a bigger boat, right? We're gonna need a bigger boat. So where we are venue-wise is not sustainable, really in the short term, definitely not for the long term. And so just briefly as I close, I just want to give you a, a, an update on where we are in terms of buildings. We were, um, so we have a team who are kind of lo- looking for buildings. And we had, um, we got involved in a, a thing called SPR, which is the, the, the councillors are trying to get rid of properties, offload properties by asset transfer. Okay, I've not got time to go into the details of that. But um, a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, I think, they, they issued a report um, about all the buildings um, in, in the council area, um, including this building that we meet in, because all, all the buildings pretty much that the council own are up, up to be sold off or used as asset transfer. We were looking at a building, which is a warehouse, um, kind of in the uh, um, Graham's Road, Bainsford area. Um, and we really liked the look of it. It was actually had a big empty shell of a warehouse, which is something we'd always felt would be a great thing to have because we can kit it out um, any way we like. But a few weeks ago, the council had done a full review of all their properties and they graded them from A to D. So A meaning it was, it's ready to be used. So you could just hand it over to somebody that can use it. All the way down to D, which meant it was either unsafe, so it had to be kind of like condemned and closed, or... Um, it was too expensive to bring up the standard for asset transfer. So the building we were looking at, the warehouse, landed in category D, and it was closed with immediate effect, and we really have no um, route towards pursuing that property. So that's one thing. The other thing is that this community centre has also been categorised as D, which means that this building has been categorised for closure. So not, not for safety reasons, but for financial reasons. Um, and that means, so there, there is a group, a local group who are pursuing the asset transfer process, which gives a kind of stay of execution, potentially. But we're looking at, I think, probably October. If, if this building is going to close, we're looking at probably October is when it's going to, it's going to happen. So... This means that we're kind of, it leaves us obviously in a, a situation. But the reality is, whether this building was closing or not, we would have to move anyway. We still need a bigger boat, right? Because that growth that we've got, and we feel it, don't we? I mean, the kids are rammed in there. Right? They're rammed in. There's no extra rooms to expand out in. And this room also, I mean, it, it's reasonably okay today, but we, we left... We, we first met here originally, and when we left this building, we were averaging 48 people, including kids. We, and, and then we thought it was, we were outgrowing it. And now, look at us. There must be about 80 people in the building today. So we do clearly need to move. And the reality is that even if we had 
if we get a, a building that we own and to kit it out and stuff, we're probably looking a couple of years before we could kit it out, get all the legal stuff done before we can move into it. So the issue is then, what do we do then between times? And our heart uh, as, a, as, as a leadership team is that when we move to our next venue, it's likely we're going to have to rent or lease something again. In this venue, we really just lease it, or sorry, rent it on a Sunday. But we really feel that for our church to grow, we need to be somewhere that we have seven days a week. Like it's not just a Sunday venue, we rent something seven days a week. And that means that, you know, that's going to cost money. It would actually change the way um, that we do a lot of things. But, but my sense is, in the sense that we, we felt as a leadership, was that, that by having a venue that we can use seven days a week, that in that, that God will release vision, he will release new ministries, he will release enthusiasm, he will release community connection like within us if we have a place that is permanently ours. And, and I had this real sense um, a few weeks ago as all this was kind of unfolding was that um, I believe that in amongst this group of people sitting here today that there is dreams and visions and purpose that is being, um, so what I'm looking for here, it's been suppressed because we don't have somewhere to facilitate it. You see, when we want to do something or start something new, the first thing we've got to do is find a venue. And that's actually, it's hard work. But it can be hard work. You imagine if we had a, a building that was ours seven days a week. The, 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 the question of where are we going to do it is never going to arise. It knocks that burden straight away. And when someone comes up with a new vision, a dream, a ministry that they want to launch, at the very least, we can say, let's give it a go. Let's use that room, let's use that space. Let's do it that day, let's do it that night. We're not restricted. Okay, are, are we, does that make sense? So I, I, I want to just, let me just, Father, I just pray, Lord, would you release vision? Would you release ministry? Would you release enthusiasm? And would you release a heart to connect with the community, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus? Lord, the things that are lying dormant and have been pushed down, Lord, because of our nomadic nature, Lord, I ask, would you release that now and break that in the name of Jesus? Lord, and would you give us something permanent and worthwhile and usable and functional and accessible, Lord, to whatever you call us to do. So, Father, we pray now, would you release that in the name of Jesus? Release that, Lord. Would you bring dreams and ideas and new thoughts Lord, into our minds. Amen. We want a place where you and I can invite people into any day of the week, any night of the week. We want a place where people can go and find the love and the message of Christ, that they will know that that's where Falkirk Vineyard is So what I'm asking today is this is just really our launch pad towards what's coming next. And the truth is, there's nothing concrete happening, right? 
There's nothing there. We're looking. We're looking. But guys, we need you to pray. We need you to pray. We need you to pray that, 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 that buildings who are owned, buildings that are owned out there are in Falkirk that are lying empty, that God will give us favour with property owners and, and invite us in or when we ask the question, we're welcome to open arms. This is what we're asking for. Um, and we're also asking you to give. As a, our, our board of trustees are conscious that to pursue anything permanent, whether it's by rent or by ownership, then we're going to need money, right? Since I said we need a bigger boat, I should have said we need more money, right? But we do need money. And I also want you to pray and consider in your heart, like, what can you give over and above what you already give in your tithes and offerings? What can you already give? You know, all of this will cost money, but we believe, like, that God has the resources to do that, yeah? You believe that? Good, because the resources are in your pocket, right? God has placed the resources in your pocket, in my pocket. That's where it comes from. So that's really all I've got to say. Is that, does that excite you guys? Yeah. It's good. Thank God for a growing church. Thank God that people are coming. Thank God that families want to be here, that our children's ministry is growing to a level that it's a problem, that's a good problem. But we know that there's, there's a place out there for us. And whether it's we rent something for a two or three years and then we purchase something down the line, that's fine. But I really believe that the thing we need to be praying for and looking for is something that we can use seven days a week, anytime we want. And I believe that we're going to see amazing ministry and mission like spring out of that and our church will grow and grow and grow. And just before I close, one last thing. Those in the graph where we saw the, the overall church growth, the years where we, we, we saw the most growth were always the years that we moved venue. We, when we moved from here to the venue and afterwards it was much bigger and I wish I brought the numbers, but with basically the week after, so we finished here with, I can't remember the number, but we had a third more the next week at our new venue. We did sign it. We did have a lot of signage um, outside. But you know, when this is to show us though that when we take a step out and take a step to plan for growth, God will bless it. I know it's not, this isn't a verse, but if we build it, they will come. If we build it, they will come. Amen.